What is going on, people? It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak, and I'm back. So sorry about the hiatus. I got a bunch of DMs. I knew you guys have been craving more episodes. And I'd be lying if I say it didn't stress me out a little bit being away from the podcast studio and doing a regular thing because I feel like I got a good cadence going this summer. But the hiatus is over and I'm back. So for this week's episode, um, I had Frank Sarfino on. Uh, I've never talked to him actually up until this episode, but I've always seen him posting. He's an active member in all FPV stuff. Um, he's a super positive person. Like I've never seen any drama or anything negative whatsoever attached to his name. And he really seems to go out and fly because he loves flying and he's been doing it for a long time. And on top of that, he's a team manager at CNHL, also known as China Hobby Line. So he's got an interesting role in FPV. Um, he's got some insight looking at pilots, what he values, the technology, the industry, um, and I want to get him on to talk about that stuff. Also wanted to talk about his regular setups, um, what he's been flying because his flight videos and his tunes and everything have been looking very crispy and proper. And he's got the fleet strategy. He just finds what works and fleets it out, repeats the build. And I think you guys know at this point that I'm all about that. So it's a really awesome episode. Felt good to be back. Couldn't say enough nice things about Frank. Um, great guest to interview. And I hope you guys enjoy it too. Um, before we get into the episode, let's talk about our sponsors that make these episodes possible, starting with Emacs. You guys know I love Emacs. Emacs is an awesome brand. I've been flying their motors for two plus years now, and I'm about to fire up a new quad with the 2550KV2207 um, RS line. But before I do that, and I said this on the last episode, I've been ripping my Tiny Hawk Freestyle basically on a daily basis in my front yard. It's like in between doing stuff, I'll just go out and fly a little four minute session, come back, charge the batteries. And I know this just seems like it might be a product plug because they're sponsoring the episode, um, but seriously, this thing is so much fun. I can do pitch flicks, top mount freestyle frame, um, little micro thing with two and a half inch props. I've just absolutely been loving it, and uh, as of this week, I can say that it is very durable. Um, I crashed it straight into a tree, into the house, uh, among other things, and no issue, not even like a bent prop. It's just so light, I don't think it has enough inertia to uh, break that little tough frame. And still on the Emacs front, I uh, finally strapped on the new Emacs Nano antenna. It is the smallest little thing I've seen. It's a, basically a drink straw with a pencil eraser on the end. And I've put probably about 20, 30 packs through it with no issue, um, super light. It's nice and short and stubby, so on the frame I fly, it fits in between the arms, like it doesn't poke out past them or above the battery. I don't foresee myself breaking this thing, and for how tiny it is, the video quality is amazing. Super stoked on that product. So make sure to check out Emacs at emacs-usa.com, and don't forget to use code FLYLIFE at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's emacs-usa.com. Moving on, as you guys know, real steady, love it, use it, stabilize awesome footage with it, and you can get 5% off or 5 bucks off uh, at, at checkout for real steady go. And the final one is Quadex clothing. You guys probably see me repping it all the time. I did an episode with Quadex. Uh, if you want to look back in the podcast archives, 
And they make sweet t-shirts, stylish, more of like regular branding, not just associated with FPV, although it always ties into FPV, which I like, and I just really like the designs. Um, I started repping it before all this happened, and I believe in the brand, so check out the podcast episode, and check out QuadX on Instagram, and you can search that on Amazon to get their full store, and it is an Amazon product, so you got two-day shipping, super easy to deal with. You probably already logged in on your Amazon. It saved your password. It'd be like maybe a four-click operation order a new T-shirt. So make sure to check that out. And otherwise, thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, holding on while I was out of town. I really appreciate it, and enjoy the episode. All right, man. So let's roll into it. Uh, Frank, you've been popping up on my Instagram, and I guess mainly Facebook. You operate mainly on Facebook for a while now, Um steady content and these days like i saw a clip before i reached out to you maybe like two three weeks ago and like your your quads are flying great you've gotten a lot better as a pilot like it's a lot more deliberate so way to stay steady on the game how did you originally get into fpv and how long ago uh well i probably started trying to think uh yeah it would have been the winter of 2015 2016 so, you know, I was messing around with helicopters at the time a little bit prior to that, and uh, I was watching videos on the Internet, you know, helicopter videos, and I ran across a, uh, I ran across that tested video that Sharpu did. Yep. Uh, where he was building a quad or whatever. And uh, I watched that, and I kind of had a little bit of interest in it, and then I started seeing him crash it all over the place, and I'm like, why isn't that not breaking, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... You know, you tip over a helicopter, you're spending two or three hours working on it, and uh, spending, you know, even on a 450, it's like a minor crash, $60, $70, you know? So I saw that, and I was thinking, well, I'm not that good at helicopters, so let me give this a try. And uh, I built my first quad, and I've been into it ever since. That's pretty good. But prior to that, that, I had... uh, the Marcy experience, you know, like I said, with helicopters recently, and then prior to that, even, I was into RC cars when I was a kid, and, uh, you know, I did a little bit of control line. I had a uh, step-uncle that kind of got me into RC, and he had a whole bunch of planes, dude. He hand-built them with balsa wood and all that shit, you know, and I think he had a, I think he had a jet. I mean, this is like back in the mid-80s, and he had an EDF jet then, which was like rare as hell. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he was really involved in it, dude. Yeah, so he, he, uh, you might be my first guest that's ever messed around with the control line. That's a uh, pretty big old yeah, school throwback. <laughs> they, they used to they used to sell these old kits that had uh, it was like a Coxo four nine with a plastic plane in there, and I got it as a Christmas gift, and I probably ran that thing another twenty five thirty times and just bent the wings back, and then it died. So, but <laughs> that's awesome. But it was uh, fun. How uh, how much time do you spend with helis before seeing the video? Oh, man, not that long, dude. Probably like a year and a half because I was thinking about getting into RC before that. And I said, well, let me just pick the hardest damn thing because planes, <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> <laughs> planes really didn't appeal to me. Planes really didn't appeal to me at the time. And uh, they, I, they still kind of don't. I mean, I, I like them, but it's not, not really what I want to get into. You know, I built a wing, and I still never put the the gear in it which sucks i just built the airframe and i never got around to doing the rest <laughs> yeah I did, I did the same thing one of the with one of those ft arrows i was like all right i'm gonna build this out got everything set up and then it was like i don't want to order servers 
servos. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, like I don't yeah, want to deal with yeah. that. I think the plane yeah. stuff for me, like it'd be cool um, in terms of like a scale kind of hobby, like a real tinkery build out, but I'm not that into flying them at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of those guys, dude, they just go insane with it. I mean, like two or three years to build a plane, dude, it's nuts. Yeah. You know, 10 or $15,000 invested in one. Too much. Crazy. That That's point, so many I think flaws. Scratch, I think it's just scratch build a plane at that point, you know, a real plane. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, going from the helis to quads, was it pretty, like, easy to get a grip of the quads? Because, like, I bought a quad and then had to go backwards and buy a little mini CP heli um, so I wasn't, like, blowing up my quad all the time. Uh, well, like I said, I wasn't really ever that good at helicopters, but, uh, you know, it, it helped me with the line of sight on a quad and, you know, maybe get used to the controls just a little bit. But, uh, the first quad I built, I built a ZMR and I think after, yeah, after it took off, it lived like maybe 45 seconds. <laughs> just destruction. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know how it is the first time you're in the goggles, like it went out, it turned around I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I went over the top of me, and uh, you know I lost video for a second because I was in the null, I guess, of the antenna. And uh, I lost video, and I panicked and put it right into a parking lot. So the minute I got home, I went went online and ordered myself a, a clone uh, QAV210 Sharpoo frame, and uh, that lasted me a while. And then I just kept building from there, but. That ZMR didn't have a very long life. <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned on here too um, before, but like when you first get an FPV, especially in those days before it was like all the great out of the box tunes and like the reliability, it was like there was like a dollar and solder time to seconds in the air ratio that was huge compared to what it is today. It's like two minutes yeah, of flight, yeah. 20 bucks, hour with a soldering iron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you, man, it was, you know, the first quad I built was a beta flight rig, and uh, I, I was never really happy with it, and then I saw, I remember I saw that video that Steel put out, like, can your quad do this when Kiss V1 first came out, and he was, like, flipping all over the place like crazy, I mean, it was nuts, and I was like, I want that flight controller, and I went and bought Kiss right after that, and uh, I flew that for almost, you know, like two years. But uh, I think I wouldn't have even had, I think I wouldn't have gotten as good as I did in the beginning if I wouldn't have had Kiss because you didn't, back then, Kiss, you didn't really have to tune it. I mean, you did, but compared to Betaflight, it was like night and day difference. Yeah. At least out of the box, you know. Still, if you look back, back on like Steel's old videos um, and like uh, high flights from back in the day, like they still looked pretty damn good even for those days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, high flight. He was on the team for a little while, and uh, that kid's just amazing, man. Robot thumbs. I don't, uh, I don't know how he was flying that good on, like, Betaflight 3.1.5 or whatever it was. Still using that, even at the end, before he kind of stopped posting. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah but was, you man. don't fly Kiss anymore, though, right? You fly Flight 1 stuff? Yeah, uh, I, I had a little bit of a transition period. I was on... Uh, Kiss, and then I played around with Beta Flight again. I went to Helio, and I was really, really happy with Helio. And I was on the team, and then that kind of, then that whole thing just kind of went downhill. You know, we all know the story. So after that, uh, 
I started searching around and evaluating everything. I actually built four identical rigs that had Kiss Beta Flight, uh, Helio, because I was thinking about maybe just sticking with Helio and, uh, and, and Flight One. And I played around with those for probably a good month and a half until I settled on Flight One, and I've been really happy with it. Uh, so, and I, I reached out to Preston a couple weeks ago, and, you know, he's helping me out, giving me a little bit of, uh, a little bit of help on the on the cost of things, so I appreciate that. Thanks, Preston. Um, did Preston give you any new ESCs by chance? No, no. I, <laughs> I, I'm just on a, I'm only on a discount only thing with with them. Or uh, you know, I'm not on the team. Or, yeah, um, I'm still I'm holding my breath over here, support. Preston. If you're listening, got that pre order in. I'd like to try them, you know, but. Uh, you know, I'm the kind of type of guy that just fleets out everything. You know, I'm happy with my setup now, and uh, you know, I got a lot of deals that I get from a lot of different places. So uh, right now, as far as speed controllers, I'm running Acons, the new RD32, and that's been really good to me. Uh, the PureFlip ESC was pretty good too. I bought a bunch of those. Do like you those. Uh, do you have to repin it to um, the Flight One, the Revolt, or is it? pretty direct yeah you have to repin it okay. um you know i don't really like repinning but whatever i mean it is what it is it's just a part one, of the build one time with thing. The, yeah i mean with the new uh with the new uh revolt light uh i actually started buying those those are nice because you can just solder to it so i don't even bother to repin anymore you know you can do it on the old ones too but i, I guess i never really thought about it uh, so now when I build, I just leave the the harness for the flight for the uh, ESC the way it is, and I just solder it to the flight controller. Yeah. Um, do, it, do it out outside of the build, you know. And then, do you mess with your ESC settings at all? Like go into yes, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you. It's almost like you have to. Uh, I'm not sure it is what it is with flight one, but you have to have that 48k set and that auto timing or. Some people run it high. I think it's like high timing, but I just run auto on 48K and I don't have any problems with it. But I did actually mess up with a new build. I forgot to do that and my gosh, dude, the thing was flying like absolute shit. I mean, it was all over the place. I was like, what the hell's wrong with this thing? And uh, then I remembered, oh, didn't change the ESC settings. After that, it was golden. Yeah, I recently did a similar thing, um, just brand new out of the box. I was like, all right, this thing's going to fly great. I do the same thing. I just fleet out my setups and plug in the same tune, expecting for just even a little extra butter because it's fresh and crisp. Yeah. And then I was like, this is a yeah. box of bolts. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, the difference, man. Yeah. Nice. Do you uh, you fly Falco X or are you still on an old firmware? Well, I have, I have a build that I've been tr- messing around with Falco X, but... Uh, I'm waiting for that Windows configurer because the the OSD setup I I like I like it for people that are getting in the hobby it makes things easier for them uh, but as far as like me you know or maybe you because you said you fleet out too you know I just want to get one quad tuned dump it and then just flash all or, over all the rest of them and I can't do that with Falco right now uh, you know so I've just I've just kind of been waiting dude. Uh, but I talked to Nick, and I guess it's going to be out any day now. So, and it and it will do a dump, which is nice. Nice, dude. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been waiting for. I like 
I tried it when it was in the alpha stage, and I thought it flew really well, but there were some things that I couldn't change. Like, I like running a high idle um, mm-hmm. and just, like, some some particular stuff. Um, and now I know you can change that in the OSD menu. But it's just, like, it's probably my laziness just being, like, ah, whatever. I'm just yeah, going to flash just, my you know, setup. It, it, yeah, it's just, it, it takes a, a little too long to do it. You know, like I said, I just want to get one thing, and I don't have a lot of time. You know, I want to build a quad, build it right, and have it run, and do a little repairs here and there, and just keep flying it. Uh, I don't have hours and hours and hours sit on the bench and stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, before the show, you mentioned you're in electrical automation stuff. Um, so was going into building quads pretty easy for you? Like soldering, doing all this stuff, was it pretty walk in the park? Like, do you ever have any yeah, magic yeah, that- smoke and stuff? Uh, you know, I've had a couple just cause I was being dumb, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, the last one was under the influence a little too much and it was late at night and been there. Oh, I did. I thought I, I had everything legit and put the XC60 on, uh, the wrong orientation and that was it. <laughs> oh, At least that's so, an easy one to spot. You didn't have like a bridge connection somewhere that you were searching for. Later. Yeah. Well, I plugged it in and it, and it was easy to spot after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, prior to that, I hadn't burned anything up for a long time. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then going back to your quad setup, what's the rest of your setup? Like frame, motors, everything? So, right now, the. The frame, the frame I'm running is it's called a Dilly, and it's uh, designed by this local guy here in Buffalo. His name is Dylan Bish, and it is absolutely the most durable freestyle frame that I've ever flown in my life. He's gonna start selling these, and I'm not really even trying to hype up this product because I've hyped it up to a lot of people, and they can't get it right now. But uh, it should be soon, and it's just a real. Basic frame. Uh, it's a true X. Five millimeter standoffs. Five millimeter arms. And it's kind of like QAV style where it mounts underneath the bottom here. Uh, and then it's two and a half inch or 2.5 millimeter bottom plate and top plate. It's a fairly heavy uh, frame, but it, it holds up like no tomorrow, man. Uh, so I love that frame. And then as far as. Uh, the ESC, I'm running that, that uh, RD32 from Acon, and then flight controller is uh, Flight 1. I'm either running a Revolt OSD or a, uh, a Revolt OSD Lite. Uh, camera, typically Predator. I have a couple builds with uh, with a Falcor on it. The Falcor V2 is really nice, too. But uh, I typically run Predator, and then I run... Cramp for my for my uh, BTX, and then my antenna is a Lollipop three, and motors I run three B twenty two oh seven, pros twos, uh, nineteen hundred kV, and everything success. Dang, um, that that's interesting, man. So why do you run the Tramp? I don't think I've ever had a guest on here that runs a Tramp. Uh. Pretty much everybody here on Buffalo runs the Tramp, man. I started running them... It's a cold weather thing, I get it. ...slightly after they released, and I like it because of the wand, which is, you know, a lot of people might, might not use the wand, but I like that because 
you know, if you're flying with people, you don't have to, what channel are you on? Oh, I'm on four. You don't have to wait till they land. You just put it on whatever channel you want, the wand, and then you switch over and plug it in and take off, you know. So I like that because then I have two ways because I kind of got, the reason why I started even using that was because I was at Rampage and I had an issue with one not working. I was in that freestyle competition and, and, uh, I had no way to program it. So after that, I just bought the one, and I've been using that ever since. Uh, and it lasts. It lasts a long time, dude. The tramps just last. I mean, I think I've had some last me almost a year, dude. Uh, and when something lasts, I just don't like to really switch from it. Yeah, especially if you have, like, that, that fleet mindset, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, especially, like, the VTXs, man. When I first started, I don't even know. The VTXs that burned up. Those VTXs back in the day were just absolute fucking junk, and they just burn up like down tomorrow. Uh, I had a TBS one, and I ended up blowing that up too. But that was that was kind of my own stupidity. Uh, but after that, the tramps came out, and they were cheap. You know, they're only thirty bucks, and they last a long, long time. That's a good deal. Um, do you feel like with because? Like the frame you just showed me, um, the Dilly, it's the same. Like I think it's that style of frame is like the best for freestyle. You get the shorter body, um, bit yep. heavier, arms underneath. And I think the heavier, in my opinion, heavier quads are slightly easier to tune for some reason. I mean, I'm sure there is a reason, but I just feel like that. They're not as overstrung out or anything. You know, they're more Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I like the little heavier weight of... Uh... I've tried lighter frames. I remember when the floss style was all the rage. I tried that, and I just broke it too much. You know, it was boomerang arms break. Uh, so then, like I said, he designed this, and uh, really have a problem with breaking bottom plates on this too much because uh, the bottom plate's above the arms, and it's shorter than the arms. And, and I run 5.5 inch. On all my all my arms too. I like the little wider arms. But uh, he was originally going to release with the five inch arms, but then he decided everything's going to come five point five because everybody here, we got so many people here flying this flame, uh, and everybody here likes the five point five. So he's going to release with that. Yeah, I think it's a bit like personally the. You get that catamaran feel, you get the props out, I think you get a little bit cleaner air, and uh, again, it's easier to tune a little bit. And it just feels better, I mean, to my personal liking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does feel a little bit better. Yeah. A little half inch, it's hard to believe, makes that big of a difference. But That's what she for said. For me, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and what about uh, radio and goggle module and, and goggles and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, so I got the Futaba, and then uh, for the goggles, I use HDOs and uh, the Rapfire module and BASIN V2 CPs most of the time. Uh, I did a bunch of tests on those, and those were probably the best ones that I've found, at least for the goggle side. Do you... Uh... And... Do you like Go ahead. what? What did you fly before the Futaba, and how do you feel about the Futaba um, switching to it? Because for me, it's always been like this expensive relic that I've wanted to have, but it's just <laughs> expensive. Okay, yeah, no, I hear you there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, just like everybody, I had a Tyrannus, and uh, I still have it, and I hydro dipped it, and you know, it was nice. Uh, 
I guess what made me switch over to it was I just having problems with the Tyrannus over time. You know, like my internal module and my Tyrannus was dead. And, you know, I think I went through, I went through two sets of the M9s and it, because the yaw, the yaw or the roll on the M9s, for whatever reason, that wire breaks in there. All the time. Yep. So, you know, I was, I was kicking it around and I was going to think about buying it for a while, you know, maybe like you. And I just kind of took a leap of faith after they reduced the price, you know, because it used to be, used to be more expensive than it already is. What's it at now? Like 600? No, dude, it's, it's like a thousand bucks for that radio. Oh, man. It used to be 1300. Oh, yeah. Killer uh, deal. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I went, so I went down to like three hundred bucks, and I was like, okay, well. And I was thinking, all right, I can justify it, I guess, because I'm gonna be flying for a while, you know, to hold its value. So I ended up getting it, and uh, I don't know, man, I love it, dude. The Stellar Radio, I mean, you hold it, and it feels like you're kind of like sitting in a forest, dude. You know, <laughs> it's got got that feel to it, you know. And uh, I like the the gimbals on it. I mean, they're just an absolute dream. They have a little shorter throw, uh, but they're not they're not like that super short throw like the M9R was. I don't know if you ever tried those, but uh, they were like super short throw on the on the pitch and the throttle. But this is probably like seventy five percent of what a Tyrannus is. So that's kind of nice, and uh, everything on it just feels quality, dude. As far as like quads, I really think that it's total overkill. Uh, but for airplane guys and stuff, I could totally understand why they would want because the airplane, like I was looking through the manual and the airplane setup on it, is just fantastic. Uh, and it has everything in there that any plane guy could ever want. But for us, what I'd like to see is a Futaba with the 18SC gimbals in it and maybe eight channels. A decent color screen that you can see in the full sun, and maybe like a four hundred dollar price point. I think that would sell really, really good. Yeah, I think uh, that if they went sub five, I would definitely hop on that, and especially if uh, the crossfire integration was super easy because we're flying long range. Yeah, like for me, I just need it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see that radio have the crossfire. Uh, I mean, I know they do have that cheaper one that they just made crossfire compatible, but. Uh, I have no idea how the gimbals are in it or whatever, uh, but I'd I'd like to see the 18SC gimbals in a in a $400 Utava radio. That'd be stellar, dude. Yeah, and I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's so many more RC plane enthusiasts, and like we were talking about earlier, like an RC plane costing thousands of dollars. If you're deep into it, yeah. the FPV market for them has got to be like, oh, what's this little group of guys up to this weekend? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the plane guys, man. You know, they'll, they'll spend the money. Um, and I feel like the age range of the plane hobby is so much broader. Like FPV is a little narrow. I think it's starting to change as the accessibility and like barrier to entry is better. Planes just have such a deeper lineage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and I, like I, like I mentioned with that OSD setup on Flight One, I think I think that might start to change things a little bit because that's going that's going in the right direction. Uh, you know, this stuff really. I mean, it's. For a lot of people, it's really unapproachable, man. It's it's too it's too difficult, you know. And you look at Betaflight, 
first time user, it's like, holy shit. Matrix. What the hell is all this? What the hell is all this crap, dude? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I always wish that in Betaflight they'd have like a light mode, you know, or you have that advanced tab. Put another tab, just light mode. Everything you need just to fly FPV, acro mode, nothing else. Just like a KISS configurer, dude. You know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, none of the filter settings, none of that other crap, you know, just. That's this all you need. <laughs> I think uh, that's a really good, like, you know, Flight 1 with the OSD setup, and then the, their general setup and vibe um, going into Flight 1 from Race Flight, like, it asking you questions like, what VTX do you have? Do you want us to help oh, stick? Yeah. It's like half setting up an iPad going into it. And even if you don't know anything, you can just be like, oh, I can just fly the Vanover tune or the noisy tune yep. or, you know, just a lot easier for someone. Good. Either right, yeah, and and the lazy salty veterans. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's very true. Um, moving away from the setups, because I was curious about that. Mentioning um, that your flying's looking super smooth and your rigs look super locked. Um, Like I feel, you know, a lot of rigs these days fly very well, but there's certain like getting into prop wash at like a thirty degree angle on roll or like pitch back a bit really like brings out um like the problem areas of a tune and your stuff's dialed yeah um we're moving away from that you're the team manager at china hobby line and that's how i first started seeing you was you know in relation to all this china hobby line content how did this all come about um how'd you get linked up with them and uh give me the story well i'm going on a close to three-year relationship with them uh, essentially what happened was I was newer into the FPV hobby at the time and uh, I just bought I just bought a bunch of Thunderpower batteries that were on sale these were the old 70C Adrenalines and I was all hyped about them so I got them and I started flying them and I was like what the hell's going on here these are kind of like getting a little puffy dude you know and uh, so then so then, you know, on my setup at the time wasn't even that extreme. It was those twenty two oh five S E Maxes, twenty three hundred K V, you know four by five props, you know, whatever. Nothing crazy, dude. So I started seeing the NHL's talked about on and off and I was like, hmm, they're pretty cheap, man. You know, these batteries are only at the time I think the thirteen hundred four S 100C batteries were like 20 bucks or something. I was like, man, those are pretty cheap. You know, I wonder if they're all right. And, uh, you know, I started doing a little bit of research, and I'm like, no, oh, they've been around for a little while. RC groups really didn't have anything bad to say about them. And, you know, those guys are pretty hardcore. So I tried a couple, and I started testing them on my iCharger. And the IR was like so low, dude. Compared to the Thunder Powers, the Thunder Powers were like 8 milliohms per cell, and these were at like 4. And they were heavier, but, uh, you know, they felt just, as, just the same. So I started flying for a little bit, you know, talking about them online. And I said, what the hell, you know, let me reach out to these guys. And they only had one team pilot at the time, a racer out in California. And I got a hold of them, and... You know, he told me, oh, yeah, we'll get you on the team. So they sent me the first 10 batteries and kind of been on the team ever since. I did a lot of, done a lot of group buys around here in the area. So 
like everybody in Buffalo pretty much flies China Hobby Lines now. Uh, you know, and saving the guys money and stuff like that. And, uh, as far as the team manager role, that goes back, uh, that goes back probably like a year, no, over a year now. So, so at the time it was just like really just me that, that racing, the racer, he kind of dropped out of things. His name was, uh, We Will FPV. And I haven't seen him around forever, but, uh, so it was just me, and then, you know, I was doing all the promoting, and then this other guy came along, NorCal Rob, and he talked to my boss, and I guess he, he was the team manager at the time initially. He said he had a bunch of previous experience, so we were working together in like a co-role, co-team manager role, and then a couple things came up with Rob, uh, so Rob ended up dropping out, and then I got I got full control of the team after that. So I've just been going on ever since. And that I don't know that probably happened about eight months ago. So it's been like eight months to just me being the team manager now, and I'm pretty happy with it. You know, it's a good gig, and uh, we got a good group of guys. So a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mentioned that um, they felt the same, um, but they were heavier like i like i've never had that bad of issues with the adrenaline packs but i didn't get them until later generations i think when they were like the 100c or whatever um quote unquote 100c but i like i always had this theory that when you buy batteries the more expensive ones are just lighter like the battery itself really isn't that different um like you just pay for the weight and if you like heavier quads and stuff like that um it's not an issue and at 20 bucks i remember seeing those come out at 20 bucks and i was like suspicious this is suspicious oh yeah yeah because and i I can't blame people yeah (laughs) because and and batteries at the time like now a lot of them have gotten cheaper like lumineers got the xylos and whatnot but at the time like the cheapest battery was like maybe 29 bucks 30 bucks like the tattoo our lines yeah, I mean, if you wanted a cheap battery, you were buying, like, some Hobby King zippies that you were puffing up in, like, a week. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yellow, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that's pretty much all you were getting on the cheap, you know. <laughs> but, funny. yeah, I mean, we, we pretty much, re, you know, they pretty much reinvented the game on batteries, you know. And uh, my boss's whole thing was, initially, you know, I build, I make these batteries for people that just want to have fun, you know. Uh and then we started transitioning more into the race market, you know, because I told them, I said, you know, we got to get some good race batteries because until people start seeing races one with these things, we're not, we're not going to stand a chance. Yep. You know, uh, and the racers on our team have done freaking fantastic. Done very good with them. And uh, they love them. Uh, yeah, and you have an, you know, as a team manager, you kind of have, you know, like a good insight, even though you say you don't race a lot, but you probably deal with a lot of racers. Would you say from like a company's perspective, um, that racing is a bigger avenue for selling batteries, um, to people or is like the freestyle side of it pretty big too? I think that the racing kind of like proves that the battery is a good battery, you know? Okay. Uh, you know, I think that's how it kind of works, you know? If the racers can beat the hell out of it, I can sure as hell beat the hell out of a freestyle rig, you know? Makes sense. So uh, I think that that does really help, you know, at least to give the battery a little more legitimacy. Uh, you know, and then as far as, like, with, with our batteries, you know, people love them because of the price. They love them because they last a real, real long time. They last a very long time. 
I've had batteries that lasted me over a year with God only knows how many cycles. It looked like they went through World War Three, and, you know, they're still putting out the power, dude. And it might have a little bit of sag, but I honestly I can't see very many other brands lasting that long. Uh, and I try a lot of batteries from other brands just to keep up to date with how everybody else is doing. And uh, there's only a couple... There's only a couple batteries out there that that I've seen that are as good as the new Black Series, and you know they're way more expensive. And right now, there's only one other battery that's been lasting as long, and it's way more expensive than a China Hobby Line. <laughs> yeah. So you know, uh, you know the weight thing. That's that's probably our biggest. Our biggest complaint from customers is weight. I'd love to see the weight get down, but uh, for whatever reason, it just it never seems to happen. I mean, we've we've lost we've lost a lot of weight and gotten smaller through the years, but we've never hit that magic mark, you know, the, the real real light batteries. Uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, you feel like there's some trade-offs with going to lower weight? Like, do you get less durability I, I think that, and stuff? I think that there is personally because you're. You know, you think about it. There's less materials in there. Uh, you know, and then really, I mean, what what you got is you got an anode, a cathode, and an electrolyte in there. And uh, you know, it, they got to lose weight somewhere. So I'm guessing the anode and cathodes are a little thinner. You know, maybe there's a little less electrolyte in there. I don't know. I'm not a battery scientist, but I know there's those three things in a battery, and yeah, <laughs> you know, and it goes on that plastic film. So you know. They got to be dropping weight somewhere, and I'm guessing it's with the with the thinner uh, coating on the anode and cathode plates, and uh, you know maybe a little less, less electrolyte. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, China Hobby lines last. Yeah. Do you um do, are you pretty hard on your batteries? Like, do you fly them um, low down into the voltage, or do you baby them I, pretty well? No, I don't. I don't baby my batteries at all. Uh, I don't cycle them or anything. I charge them at like 3 to 4C all the time. Uh, I run them low not all the time, not purposely, but if I'm having fun, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll run I'll run a 6S pack down to 16 volts. You know? <laughs> uh, just trying to limp it to get it back. Uh, you know, or just till it flies out of the sky. Uh, I probably do that once or twice on a flight session if I'm flying like 20 just, batteries. Just the... the- the brownout and gravity starts to get you a little bit. Well, with the success, you know, you get to about twenty volts, and then it just kind of it says, "Well, that's enough." And then after that, it'll drop from like twenty volts to like sixteen volts or fourteen volts, like almost instantly. It never browns out, but it just just kind of all right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but it happens pretty damn fast. I mean, you got like twenty seconds to react. <laughs> once once it hits twenty volts. Yeah, hopefully you're close to yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because like I, I baby my batteries. Like I fly mostly 4S still. It's just my favorite um, feel. I don't mind the flight time. But like the second I see into the 14 volts, um, I always bring it back and land it. And then it, you know, by the time it's sitting there, it comes back up to like 15.1, 15.2. Huh? Um, and then it, la- I mean, like I've had batteries almost a year and a half now like i got a group of 10 that i just haven't touched but they've been super good i think you can get away with more abuse on higher cell count um 
a little bit. The 4S seemed to be a bit more like dainty, um, not as robust. Yeah, on, on 4S, when I was playing 4S, it, it seemed like it was a lot easier to tell when you were getting close to the end. And yeah. plus that internal timer that I had that I had calibrated over like two years, you know, maybe two and a half years, that internal two minute, two, two minute, 15 second timer was pretty damn accurate in my head. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, it's time to land. And you could kind of feel that, you could feel that sag coming on on the last quarter of the pack. You know, you, you knew, all right, I'm, I'm going to have to give it a little more juice coming out of this dive or whatever um, for us. But with 6S, I mean, you don't feel that until you get to the down into the 20 volt range. Then you feel it, and it's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> what kind of uh, flight times do you get with that, with the setup you were mentioning on 6S, and how many milliamps uh, do you fly? I fly 6S 1100 100 C Black Series. I switched over to all that. Prior to that, I flew 6S 1250 70 C, which was a good battery. Uh, but I like the 1100 because it, it gets almost the same flight time as the 1250. It's smaller and it's slightly lighter. Not lighter by a lot, but slightly lighter. Uh, I like the smaller size. As far as flight time goes, with the 2207s, 1900 KV, and Dow 5040Cs, which is what I always fly, uh, I get like four minutes to four and a half minutes typically. That's a good, that's a uh, good rip. Yeah, and if I'm in a more of an open area where I gotta, you know, go a little more space between objects or whatever, uh, I might see like three and a half minutes, but it's always three and a half minutes, no matter what. Uh, but usually four to four and a half minutes. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, going to 6S, um, do you notice any issues with like breaking top plates more um, or having that weight on there, like breaking straps more, any extra wear and tear, no. pretty much the same? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I was the frame that I used to use was a Horus uh, frame that Sharif designed for me. And that frame was a little dannier, uh, but... I didn't really break any top plates with that because I was on 4S before and and 6S and I don't really break any more top plates or nothing. The biggest change from 6S from 4S to 6S for me was that mental mentality you get. You're like, oh, 6S, you know, it's like it's just gonna rip balls like no tomorrow, you know. So you're the first time, first couple times you fly it or whatever until you get used to it, you're just kind of like full throttle everywhere, you know. <laughs> stretching the legs yeah you know just feeling it out and uh you're not really used to the to the throttle response to success from 4s to 6s and uh after you get used to that though it's all gravy man you know it's like everything in this hobby fpv it's all it's all throttle control everything did you do yeah. anything to the throttle like limit it export out or just got used to it i don't do anything well None of that. Did uh did your Stalling, tunes change Stalling at all? Come. Uh yeah, my tune did change. Yeah. Uh everything was a, a little bit lower, dude. You know, P's and D's and I don't really mess with I too much. Uh, I pretty much did the same. Me neither. But uh you know, I messed with it a little bit. I did have to mess with it a little bit on flight one. Uh prior to that I don't really have to mess with it, but on on the roll on flight one, I was getting a, just a little bit of bounce back that I couldn't get rid of, and I just cranked up the P or the I a little bit and got rid of it. Yeah. Um, um, 
I should have mentioned it earlier when we were on the topic, but uh, what like what's your filter setup on Flight One? Uh, I'd have to look because it's been a while, but I believe it was. I think it's believe like one twenty. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty much pretty close to stock. I think it's maybe just a little bit different than stock, but okay. uh. N- nothing crazy though. Like you don't have some crazy I, black magic. You're not telling us about. I played around with the filters for a while because Getzo actually got me flying flight one. He hit me up one day and but I've been mess. I've been talking to him. You know when I first started messing around with it, and I was playing around with filters and uh, wasn't really getting anywhere, dude. You know I tried to go real high numbers on the filters and it just kind of messed things up a little more. So then, uh, then I started going a little lower, and I was like, "Well, shit, I'm almost at stock." And then, pretty much, haven't changed it since. You know, it's like almost stock. Yeah. As far as the pids go, the pids the pids did change a little bit, but nothing, nothing extreme. I mean, I'm probably like uh, within five to seven points of stock. Yep. For uh, my P gains. And uh, D gains are a little bit lower uh, than stock. I think P, yeah, P and Ds are just a little bit lower than stock, like seven, anywhere between three to seven points difference than stock. Uh, but other than that, it's not too much of a difference. Yeah, and I think if you got like a proper rig with like good parts on it, well built, that goes a long way too. Um, and oh yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And it's how I you mean, fly, it, it flies. Yeah, I mean it flies really good out of the box, but. It just needed that little bit of the last fifteen percent or whatever, you know, yeah. a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a stiff frame goes a long way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that if I had a frame with some thinner arms, you know, maybe a little different mounting solution where they go together on the body, uh, that I might have some more issues. You know, True X always seems easier to tune anyway. I think everything's just kind of designed around True X. Uh, yeah, tuning a dead cat was my nightmare. Yeah, I had some issues with that, and stretch X was always an issue for me too. I tried that a little bit in the past, and I could never really get those tuned up. Yeah, um, going back to the CNHL thing. So, as team manager in that role, um, what do you look for in new team pilots? Like, what kind of qualities? What kind of flying? Is it media and results, attitude, all three? Uh, well, I mean, ideally, the the ideal candidate that I like to find is somebody who is self motivated. You know, this is this is when you step outside of the big names. You know, because we all know who the big names are, who has the following. I mean, they're kind of in a different category by themselves because uh, they're already there. You know, yeah. they're already on that elevated uh, social media ladder, so to speak. Uh, but as far as like you know, like a newer pilot or somebody that doesn't, not like super huge. I mean, I would ideal the ideal candidate there would be somebody that is already supporting the brand. Uh, they're they're already using the brand, uh, you know. And then as far as like attitude wise, I mean, I don't. If I'm gonna work with somebody, I don't want to work with somebody who's like super pushy, you know, or. Uh, just, you know, bad attitude or whatever, you know, they're just not well liked online, you know, it's just 
you know, maybe they're a little too political, whatever, you know, I mean, we're here for the hobby, you know, keep that other shit at the door, you know, nobody has time for that, dude. You know, whether it's an attitude or, you know, you want to be spouting off on political views or whatever, take that somewhere else, you know, we're just here for for the hobby, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so, you know, it, it, ideally this person's going to be representing the company, so, you know, I don't want anybody like that, you know, and I want somebody who's easy to work with and, uh, you know, somebody who seems like they're on on the way up, you know, that's not a flash in the pan or whatever. Uh, you know, social media-wise, I mean, I like to see them have a decent amount of numbers, but, you know, if there's somebody that's just ripping balls and it looks like they're going to go somewhere, then, you know, it's a different story. Um, uh, yeah. From your perspective, so, what's a decent amount of numbers? I've always, like, wanted to hear, like, what... A decent, a decent yeah. amount of numbers. I mean, I would, I would ideally like to see... Somebody with, you know, eight eight hundred to nine hundred or eight hundred to a thousand subs, you know, when they're first getting on board with us. Uh, you know, I know it's hard as hell out there to get YouTube subscribers and views and everything else because the whole market is really saturated. It's like harder by the day, um, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and I mean it. it <laughs> I mean, it's like I don't know what it is. I mean, it's crazy, dude. Because you go, you know, you might see somebody. That is really good, dude. You know, and their video maybe only has like a hundred views, and then you got one of the OGs who maybe just puts out a lukewarm video, yeah, and they're hitting like flying in my front yard 7, for the eight thousandth time. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, they got like six, seven thousand views within like three days, and it's like, what the hell? <laughs> I also think sometimes like YouTube, especially that platform, like doesn't know what to do with the video. Um, like, I don't know if it's like the algorithms, but it's like, all right, there's this camera on this flying thing. There's not really like a lot of context to it. Like, uh, and you look at some of the bigger names, they're really good at like loading the title, not clickbaity, yeah. but just like very informative. Um, you right. could not be into FPV and see that title and understand what's in the video. And like, I've had yep. this issue too, like naming a flight video serenity, um, might <laughs> not hit the algorithm as well versus being like fpv at a said spot you know yeah yeah no i i hear you i mean you know it's 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 hard to get exposure on youtube and i and i understand that uh i mean i guess if i was to see somebody really putting towards the effort you know that's a different story i mean they're trying you know and they're they're promoting i mean if you, i just want somebody out there that's going to be a good face for the company they're gonna they're gonna promote you know and uh they want to be there you know not just be there for free products they want to be there the better the product or, or whatever, you know. Because uh, there's a lot of people out there that are just looking for handouts, man. Yeah, and do you deal with that a lot? Like people just being like, hey, I'd love to get some of these. I deal with that, and I deal with, you know, a lot of pushy people and whatever. I mean, I don't know. I I think it's my the amount of messages I've been getting over time has been a little been slowing down a little bit, thankfully. Uh, I appreciate all the interest, but... You know, especially on Messenger, it's like you know you got to email me because I can't, I can't keep up with all those Messenger conversations, man. I mean, it's yeah. just too many messages, too many, and you lose track of it. There's like the worst system to kind of keep track of anything on Facebook Messenger. It just gets buried and it's gone. <laughs> yeah, and the same person hits you up like three months later, like remember we talked about it, and you're like vaguely, yeah. probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know. It, I like people that want to be there and support the brand. 
you know, and, and they're they're already customers. They know the product, you know, they and they've supported it over time, and uh, you know those kind of things. So that's ideally what I like to see. I would like to see some more airplane guys hit me up. So if anybody is into airplanes, traditional airplanes, listening to this, and uh, you're serious about wanting to join the team, hit me up and let me know. Because we're yeah. trying to make a push into that arena, uh, you know, and and get the uh, traditional guys on board with uh, with it. We've been doing pretty good with the uh, batteries for EDF jets lately, which is great. Um, did you ever see, or like, was it ever an issue? Um, and I mean this in a respectful way, but it being called China Hobby Line before everybody started referring to it as CNH, uh, was that like a hiccup? There was actually a point in time when I was very close to suggesting that they change the name of it because, uh, you know, and fortunately, and I'm not trying to say this for anybody of Chinese descent that's listening, you know, when a, lot, when a lot of Americans hear China, they think cheap. Yeah, it's true. Garbage, you know, and it's just the reality of it, you know. But uh, fortunately, you know, our, our customers uh, get the word out. You know, and uh, once people started seeing results, then it was more of a non-issue, you know. Yeah. Um, and that we were going to stick around and that we have a warranty and, and, you know, we stand by our product and those kind. You guys uh, sponsored of- the FPV show, right? We did. We did I- sponsor the SPV show. I think that was like, um, for for me personally, like the turnaround point, I was like, oh, okay, I, you know. I trust Travis mm-hmm. and these guys, um, you know, and I yeah, think also um, in terms of like the pilots you picked and like where I saw the branding pop up, um, that yeah. made the international part of it a non-issue because then it was like people vouching for it. It wasn't just like a banner ad, you know, or something where. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I miss Travis, man. I wish you would come back, dude. He, dude, was, I, he was great to have on the team. And, and I, I always loved his videos, man. Yeah. Every time I saw a Gaffin video, it's like, I got to watch that now. <laughs> I just got a text from him like a few minutes ago saying he's nice. down to do another nice. podcast episode. I hit him up on Instagram and same thing. It probably just got lost in messages. So I yeah. finally texted him. I was like, yo, <laughs> we need to do this. Come out of retirement. And I just saw he posted but, uh, a, a Cinewhoop edit. I was like, okay. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, man. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God, God bless him, man. You know, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad he's making money in the industry and he's doing what he loves. You know, uh, because anybody that makes money in this industry, God bless them. Because if, if you're not a manufacturer in China or a shop owner, it is hard to make money in this industry. So it's brutal. God bless him. Um, yeah. What is the uh, current? I mean, I'm sure I don't know how big the China Hobby Line roster is, but who are some of your gems, if not the whole roster? Well, uh, feel free to pull up see. the document so, if you need to. All right, I, I got it open. Uh, <laughs> so we got uh, Colby. Okay, he's uh, Colby Cardiola, SFPV. Uh, Jeff Ward is on the team. We all know who Jaboy. Uh, Vortexes, yep. uh, Chris Teal, man, he's been crushing it on the Chris Teal, game. yeah, killing it. Yeah, uh, and his edits are fucking stellar, dude. Uh, we got Olaf, he's coming back. Olaf. And Olaf Hitchwa. Yeah. 
He's fucking. He's quite a character, man. That kid's hilarious. Uh, Josh Lokeskin, uh, wild type FPV. He's been crushing it on the track. Uh, Sean Taylor. Everybody knows who Sean is. Yep. He doesn't need an introduction. Uh, Benoit Fink, Finky FPV or Dude, Finky. Heavy hitters. He's been fucking crushing it. Yeah. Uh, Russell Kim. He's been crushing it over there in Korea. We got Zane Reed. Zane Reed's been crushing it. <laughs> and uh, on our airplane side, we got a guy named Blake Hilson. He's, uh, he's a real good 3D pilot. And uh, he's written, he's into EDF jets and pattern plane stuff. And then we got, that's pretty much it for like our big, big names and our team. I mean, our team really isn't that big. But it's dope. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty picky with who I put on the full team. Uh, but we do have an ambassador program, which is just like a discount program, and it's kind of a stepping stone to get into the team. I brought a couple of good guys on with that that are probably going to get bumped up. Uh, one of them is, uh, is uh, Jan. I can't think of his pilot name. Her hair? Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. That's what, dude, it's, get this, for like the eighth time I'm going to say it on here, it, he pronounces it John. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so John, John is, uh, if it's John, sorry, John. <laughs> I did the same he, uh, thing. I, just, I was like, yawn, I just Jan. brought him, I just brought him on as an ambassador, and uh, he's been crushing it. And then, uh, we got a couple other ambassadors that are doing really well, and they're probably going to move their. They're probably. I'm probably going to move them up the ladder here pretty soon. Uh, and that's something that I've kind of been doing recently, because in the past, unfortunately, I got I got burned by a couple people. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, I, I brought them on the team, and they just didn't. They didn't want to promote. They didn't want to do that. Oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm sorry, Paul. I forgot about Paul Nerkola. Who's that? Sorry, Nurk. Didn't mean to step on your toes there. <laughs> but uh, you know, back to the ambassador thing. You know, so I started just trying to like bringing people on as ambassador for the first couple months, and before I move them up to the full team, to make sure that you know they're going to be a good fit and they're going to promote, you know, and whatever. Because I've taken some people on in the past that. Uh, you know, they weren't really around for the right reason, you know, I guess. I don't know. And it probably comes with the territory. Like, that's like any managerial from, like, kitchen manager to baseball team. Yeah, yeah. That's just part of it. Yeah, you know, and and I get it. I mean, I don't expect people to, like, kill themselves, you know, for doing promotional I need two edits every 12 hours. uh, Get on it. Yeah, you know, but, you know, it's like a couple edits a month at least, you know. And, uh, you know, post it in the, post it in our group. You know, share it around. Be happy that you fly for the brand. Yeah. You know, because uh, it's not a good brand. Yeah, and, and, I, and think I think most dope uh, people would be flying um, regardless of sponsorship. You know, like if people that just yeah, love yeah. flying just go out and fly, and then it's like a party yeah. bonus if you get free or discounted products. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, you know. Yeah. Um, as we close this up here, I wanted to talk about two things. One, how the hell do you handle flying in Buffalo, New York winter? Like I've never been to Buffalo, New York, oh, but I hear the, yeah. it's like that Minneapolis and, uh, 
I th- and anything else above in the Arctic Circle for winners. Well, it's uh, it's bad, dude. It's bad. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm I'm not a Buffalo native. I've only been here for ten years. I'm a Chicago native originally. Still uh, not Chicago crazy area. bad. I mean, that's still pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, we we have bad winters in Illinois too. But uh, you know, the worst thing about a Buffalo winter, we're on the bad side of the lake here. So. Winter, all winter here is like gray, dude, and it sucks. I really want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Uh, me and my wife have been talking about it for a while, so I don't know. Maybe I'll leave one of these days. I would like to leave soon, but uh, for now I'm here. And as far as winter goes, uh, you can either you can do one or two things. You can either fly from the car or you can fly standing outside. Uh, I can't fly sitting down anymore. Yeah, I, I feel you. It is, but I can't do it anymore. I started out sitting down, and now I can't do it. So I got to stand outside. And uh, what what does help is I got these fingerless gloves, and I put a hand warmer underneath each one on the top. And my theory is that it'll preheat the blood as it enters my fingers. Because <laughs> if you look on top of your hand, you can see all those veins there. So I figure it'll preheat the blood before it goes on into your fingers there. And it, it works a little bit. It doesn't work that great, but it works a little bit. Uh, it's helpful. So usually what it is is it's run out of the car, fly your battery, land the quad, run back in the car, warm up your hands just enough to get back out there, do it again, and hope you don't crash. <laughs> yeah, that's deep if you're preheating your blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the worst the worst thing about winter that I've found now is after switching to micro cams, you get any water on a micro cam, over with dude <laughs> oh yeah that's you good know, I, I still fly full size i never thought out. about that yeah and i uh was actually talking to fox here on our team chat the other day and i said hey you know can you guys make a a micro cam with a fully enclosed case you know because you get any water on it i mean sometimes even just wet grass you get it on there and it, and it blacks out your camera I've tried conformal coating. It works a little bit on the on the micro cams, but it's nowhere near as good as a fully encased camera. Uh, you can conformal coat a build, and it'll last pretty long. It'll it'll take a couple dumps in the snow before it dies. Uh, do, you, do you find that like flying in those temperatures, um, micro cam aside, like I found this in Colorado that if it was cold enough and the snow was crystallized enough, it wasn't like a slushy sunny day. You could mm-hmm. unplug it before really much melted. You know, like it was still yeah, just yeah. ice crystals. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can unplug it and then I just take it and knock it off, knock off as much snow as I can. Save for uh, the next day or whatever. Yeah, I mean, usually if it gets dunked, I mean, I go out there, you know, I can probably get, you know, two or three crashes in the snow before it just starts going crazy and then you let it dry out for two and good to go. Yeah. You know, keeps you clean. Keeps your quads clean during the winter, at least. You know, gets off all the grass, all the grass stains from the summer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I'm not looking forward to winter, dude. But other than a bad winter here in Buffalo, we have some fucking killer bandos. So if anybody wants to come visit, come visit, man. We had uh, we had a guy out here from L.A. Uh, no, San Diego area, Long Lake. I don't know if you've seen him around. Uh, he was out here and he loved it, man. But we have we got some real good bandos. So, if anybody wants to visit, let me know. Hell yeah! 
Um, and the last thing I want to talk about before we got out of here is, you know, you mentioned people that make money um, in this hobby um, and like people's viewpoints on it. Do you still like just do this for the love of it? Like no real goals or do you like have some things you're trying to accomplish as like a team manager? Because you're not in like, a, you know, like the hot trend right now is filming gigs, like uh, going out and selling Selling your skills for film and stuff, um, but you have an interesting mm-hmm. position as a team manager. Like, do you still just do it because FPV's rad and that's why you got started? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd continue to do it if it wasn't, you know, it's still enjoying the hobby or, you know, it wasn't my thing, you know, because uh, your heart wouldn't be there and it wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to bring out, you know, help. You wouldn't be able to help the people in China bring out products that other people want, you know, you, the, the love wouldn't be there, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, my boss over there, he's very, very receptive to what we need and what we want, and he'll bring it to market right away. Uh, very different than other companies that I've worked with. Uh, the only other company that I know that comes close to that that I work with is Faxir. Uh, uh, they're very, they listen very well. And, uh, you know, me and Trey have a good relationship, so that helps. They bring out a lot of products that people want. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I've worked with other people and they don't want to listen, man. You know, they just do what they want. And that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. But that's probably that's why CNHL and Fox here are still like powerhouses at keeping yeah, it. Yeah, man. It, you know, I I don't know why a lot of these people don't listen because, you know, we're, we're the ones flying the gear. Right? I don't know. Yeah. But I'm glad that those two companies do and I'm glad that a couple other companies I've worked with do. But uh, it's a shame they all don't. Yeah. I think we'd have a lot better products if they did. Yeah, maybe in the longer. And I mean, I think FPV is still pretty new in its inception when you look at it. Like, you got a skateboard hanging behind you. We talk about RC planes. Like, all those things have a pretty long history. Oh, yeah. FPV yep. is still pretty, like, growing pains. We're still talking about, like, how to make GUIs better and wires not ripped yeah. out of M9 gimbals, you know, which is, like, pretty trivial stuff in relation to other hobbies. Like, um, RC cars aren't like, yeah, my front left wheel falls off every three to four months. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but things, we've made, we've made some leaps and bounds, man. I mean, especially since 2016. 2016, Huge. 2017. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, these, these new guys that come into the hobby, they got it made, man. I mean, you could never get a quad flying that well in 2016 unless you need to. Yeah, someday we'll like do a fpv historical reenactments where it's like tune this cc3d there was there was only a few people that could tune that well back then yeah and one one of them that comes to mind is richard man i mean yeah monster tuning back then dude to this day um his tunes are like i mean and it's like like the way his videos look everything the the final product but it is proper good oh yeah yeah i mean you even look at the videos he put out in 2015 or 2014. I mean, fuck, those things were... It's because he doesn't have those flying. winners. He can be outside all the time. They're, they're flying <laughs> like they're on rails back then, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you want to plug your sponsors and, like, where we can find CNHL and all that stuff? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, so, yeah, uh, first off, I'd like to thank uh, China Hobby Line for everything they've done for me and all the opportunities they've given me. And uh, you know, I love you guys. Appreciate it. 
second people I'd like to thank is Foxier. Uh, they've been excellent to me too. And Dalprop, of course, because they're one and the same. I'd also like to thank uh, 3B for the support they've been giving me. And I'd like to thank White One for the support they've given me recently. Much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I'd like to thank all my friends here in the area, man, for keeping me motivated, dude. You know, and having fucking killer people to fly with. It's awesome. Great having good buddies to fly with, man. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, man, is good friends and good times, dude. Yeah. People to enjoy this hobby with, you know, because uh, if you're flying by yourself, nowhere near as fun as flying with friends. Yeah, it's uh, it's more fun to crash with friends, too, uh, definitely on oh, that. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah. 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 Sure. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you doing the show. This was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah man, this was a good episode. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Martin. I appreciate it.